Athletic Brewing. I cracked open an Upside Dawn Golden Athletic Brew. And let me say this. No matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor? It's athletic. Award-winning styles? It's athletic. Huge variety? It's athletic. Fit for all times. That's a registered trademark, guys. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 241 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby, here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, 241, that is exactly the Giants batting average at home this season. If they did not get a hit in their final at-bat yesterday, they would be at a 240 batting average. Seriously, they just got over to 241. Uh, what happened in that final at-bat yesterday? Were you, like, watching the game with, like, your, your version of a Sean-o-meter for the team, like, updating it to at-bat by at-bat, hoping it would land right on your, your Easter egg for this podcast? Boy, I just found this about two seconds ago, and I was like, oh! Oh, wow, Kismet. And we get to, like, I don't have to do that stupid thing where it's like, but we're not here to talk about. No, we're here to talk about patty barrels and walk-off fun and all that good stuff. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So that was the hit, obviously, the the two-run homer that, I mean, I was, like, typing in my computer, and I I, I got to admit, I had my head down. And I look up, I'm like, wait, what? Oh, oh, <laughs> they won. Oh, okay. I mean, it was just, it was a game that was just so deflating and, and kind of, you know, it seemed like uh, in, in character or in step with the way this team has been playing lately. It's like, oh, wow, they found a way to fumble this one up. Um, and, and I was thinking ahead to all the things that I was going to ask about in the postgame clubhouse, all of the, um, you know, the, the things that happened in the late innings, uh, Duvall's balk, Crawford's decision to throw to first base instead of home. You know, uh, uh, why why is Luis Matos in center field in general? Um, you know, it's, it's I thought he was supposed to be good. Why, why are all these balls falling in front of him? Why are all these singles turning into doubles? And and then and then Patty Barrels. And uh, wow, that's uh, that's a heck of a time to have your first career walk off home run in the big leagues. Yeah, it was on track to be one of the dumbest games of, of the year. 
and maybe on a short list for one of the dumbest games in Oracle Park history, uh, just because you, you add it up where Logan Webb is a strike away from a shutout. That's amazing. You have uh, Duvall coming in and the safe is blown when the runner's trying to steal third with two outs like a buffoon. Why is he even running on that pitch? And then that allows it to be this hit and run where Crawford throws to first and doesn't really have a chance. But uh, it, man, and then it's a balk. It was on pace to be one of the dumbest games of the year. Uh, I was actually there. I was there as a fan with my, my family. And it, the crowd, you could just hear them just groaning with every one of these miscues. Uh, that was just one of the timeliest walk-off home runs you'll ever see based on the context around it. Yeah, and, you know, obviously it would have meant getting swept by by not just the Rangers, but Bruce Bochy's Rangers. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, I think, you know, objectively, Gabe Kapler made the precisely correct move to, to go to Camilo Duvall, who is yep. one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, if not the best. Um, that's the move you make there. He also knew the moment that he peeked his head out of the dugout, he was going to get very, very booed. And um, that's that probably isn't easy, especially when Bruce Bochy's on the other side in the other dugout. But um, uh, but it was the correct move. And he thought, wow, now he's going to get punished uh, and vilified by, you know, the folks on, uh, on um, you know, sport, uh, sports talk or, or sports talk radio for taking Webb out, you know, when when it was well, it was the right move to make. But, you know, you know that the, the still the pitchforks are going to come out uh, warranted or not. And and all that went away. All of that went away because Patrick Bailey had another moment that shows you that he is the best thing to happen to the Giants this season. I mean, mm. they found themselves a franchise catcher, you know, somebody who um, at minimum is going to be an impact performer on defense. And those skills should not slump. In fact, they should only get better. And, um, you know, it, it remains to be seen. We, we don't know how good Luis Matos can be. He's only 21, and uh, obviously there's a lot to work on and, and could be head, headed out to make room for Mike Yastrzemski here um, as we're recording this Monday morning. Um, we don't know how good Marco Luciano is going to be. We, we probably won't get the chance to see it now that he's got a, a hamstring tweak. And we, we really don't know if Casey Schmidt's going to stick as an everyday player or if he's got some big-time things to figure out offensively. Uh, Blake Sable, you know, he'll be a guy who will have options next year, and he's going to have to perform or else he could be sent down, which he can't be this year. Um, you know, Keaton Wynn, Tristan Beck, go down the line. And um, I think you can pretty much point to two rookies that you can say, of all the players the Giants have debuted, you can safely, you know, put on next year's team as guys who are going to have a big role on next year's team, and that's Ryan Walker and um, and, and Patrick Bailey, and 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 Bailey just keeps uh, cementing himself a little bit more and more every day, and that was obviously a, a big way to do it. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, I will just I'd like to point something out, and this is a little meta and a little uh, uh, little little self-aggrandizing, but I've been in a luxury suite uh, five times in my life, and uh, I'm going to run down the five times that I have been in a luxury street. Number one, uh, the Giants' first home victory ever at Oracle Park uh, against the Expos in 2000. Number two uh, is uh, the day that I uh, started dating my now wife. Uh, we just celebrated our 17th anniversary. Uh, so that's number two. Number oh, three. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, number three is uh, Tim Lincecum's first home victory at Oracle Park. Uh, number four is, uh, well, nothing really happened, but the Giants won. And I was there with my aunt who passed away recently uh, or shortly after and my father-in-law who passed away shortly after. So it's one of my most treasured memories ever is that game. And number five, Patty, Patty Barrels with a walk-off home run, uh, a come from behind. So what I'm saying is that I should have a suite there permanently. 
permanently <laughs> on the house, gifted. There is no reason to not have me there all the time. I walked by there. Silicon Valley Bank still has a suite there. My goodness, give me that one. I'm going to take that and redistribute it to the masses, darn it. There you go. And uh, and also, um, uh, which uh, top shelf bourbon would you like to have delivered to your suite? Uh, you can have your pick. Oh, you know what? I'll do, I'll, I'll do a four rows, uh, four rows of single barrel. Um, I just I, Ooh, I really enjoy the good. four roses. Yeah, they're delightful. Good, good, good. Well, um, you are welcome to uh, a luxury suite uh, anytime you want. Just make out your check payable to San Francisco Giants <laughs> LLC and maybe maybe put a thanks, Larry, in the notes field and, and, and you'll be all set. Uh, go fund me. Uh, I, I just came up with that right now. Go fund me. There's got to be enough people to just give me a luxury suite for the year. Uh, good things will happen. I promise. I promise. It is a great way to spend your money. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I will take my seat in the press box, which is 100% free for now. Um, uh, however, I, I will tell you that, um, so, you know, I went to Northwestern. I'm a big Northwestern sports fan. I'm not living the greatest life these days. <laughs> but um, when the basketball team was in the NCAA tournament, in um, March, I was in Scottsdale covering spring training, and I could break away. I could get a quick flight to Sacramento. My brother lives in the area, um, and so uh, he said, "Come on, let's go." When, when are they ever in the tournament? So I went for the sweets, uh, the the round of thirty two game against UCLA, and I paid way too much for for tickets that were um, basically on the floor. And there, the only people ahead of me was press row, and I'm staring at people I know in the business, <laughs> and I'm like. Now I know what everyone, when they look at me in press row and they think, you get these seats for free? It's like, I just dropped a few hundred bucks on these tickets and I'm staring at the back of Dylan Hernandez's head. This is not a good feeling right now. So so um, I, I definitely can, uh, I, I can appreciate that maybe a little bit more than I could before. And Northwestern lost, but they played well. But you uh, got to have a drink and Dylan Hernandez did not. This is true. Yeah, this is true. That did happen. All right. Well, I mean, I'm doing a, a little deep dive into the history of walk-off home runs because I, I nerd out on this stuff, especially my favorite are the come-from-behind walk-off home runs and specifically two-out come-from-behind walk-off home runs. I don't know why. I mean, I, I do know why it tickles me. So I'm not expecting everyone else to nerd out as much as, as I have. But here's something. The Giants have two of these this year, two-out come-from-behind walk-off home runs. The Giants did not have more than two the whole time Barry Bonds was on the team. Barry Bonds has never had one. This is rare, and the Giants have had two rookie catchers do it in the same season. It, this is Jason Stark territory. I'm basically stealing his bit. Uh, I love it. I nerd out on this stuff. It's just there's something about being down to your last out, one check swing, uh, one blown strike call from the umpire, and the game's over, and instead you've got pandemonium. It's maybe the best sports experience that sports writ large has to offer. Yeah, and that's why, you know, even though I, I after the, the Game 5 loss to the Dodgers in 2021, you know, even from the, the, the clubhouse, like Gabe Kapler, Farhan Zaidi were saying, you know, the, the check swing call on Wilmer Flora as well, you know, those happened. It's part of the game. You know, that didn't decide everything. I, I wanted to be like, no, that did decide everything. <laughs> I think Wilmer Flores had a legitimate shot to get a hit there. I, I think I sort of calculated the odds at about like one in 19 for him to hit 
uh, a home run. And, sure. and, you know, we didn't get that next pitch to see if he could have done it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I didn't buy that. I didn't like that whole argument of, well, the, the, the odds were, were so, you know, small at that point that uh, it's like, no, I, I just don't think about sports that way. It's like, well, you know, um, it, it's only a 2% chance. So, you know, might as well just, uh, um, you know, it's like match play in golf. I'm just going to, you know, seed the, the two foot putt. No, you're putting that sucker out. That's the whole <laughs> that's the whole point of the game. I want to see you putt the ball in the cup. That's exactly right. I mean, you want to talk about odds. What are the odds that Travis Ishikawa is back on the team to play outfield? He was not the best option available for the Giants to play outfielder because he wasn't an outfielder and he hadn't hit that much in the minor leagues. Why is he there? The odds of him even being there are microscopic. And, you know, we're talking lottery odds. And then for him to have a a career-defining, a pennant-winning home run, uh, the odds are astronomical, but that's sports. That's sports. You're going to you're going to have things like that happen. And so, yeah, the Wilmer Flores. Thanks for firing me up again. Uh, for my money, I uh, I think Max Scherzer's shoulder was you know given off smoke, and you you saw that with the rest of the how the rest of the postseason played out. Um, but I'm still thinking about that foul ball from Lamont Wayne Jr. Oh, straighten that out. Oh, mm, yeah. I'm still thinking about that. Yeah. He was just out in front of it. That was really, really close. Um, <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, it, I, I think you'd want c- current Wilmer Flores to take that plate appearance right now. He'd probably, he'd probably get an extra base hit somewhere. I mean, he's just been so hot for such an extended period of time now. We're talking since the beginning of June, and he's playing a lot. I mean, they can hardly ever take his bat out of the lineup now, even when it means they got to put him at DH and put Jock Peterson in the outfield and do things that they don't want to do. They just cannot take Wilmer Flores out of the lineup. And it's crazy. I think as of a couple days ago, uh, in terms of OPS among major league hitters from like June 1 until now, it was like Shohei Otani, uh, Corey Seager, and Wilmer Flores was right there. And um, and it's, it's, it's just, wow, you wonder where the Giants offense would be without him because, you know, it's a quarter of the season just about now since they lost their... Um, uh, 10-game winning streak. And ever since then, they are last in the majors in like every offensive category. And we're talking about like a 43-game stretch. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if you can really confidently predict that they're, you know, well, when the bats come around, well, they haven't come around. They haven't come around for a quarter of a season. So maybe this will define them. But Wilmer Flores is doing everything he can to to try to turn it around. That That's for sure. You know, I almost, I almost uh, made a uh, wrote an article that was like, well, I, you know, how are the Giants going to get Wilmer Flores more playing time? How how redundant is he on a team that has uh, uh, Casey Schmidt and, and J.D. Davis? And you have, you know, these, these kind of corner guys uh, in J.D. Davis that replicate essentially what Flores is doing for the Giants. If you're not going to play him at short, obviously, and you're not going to play him at second much, you know, what is the role for Wilmer on this team? Uh, he started, I think, uh, nine games in May. Uh, and he finished, um, I think he fi- he did a, uh, played the whole game just six times. He was uh, a spare part, and he wasn't doing much. He's hitting uh, OPS under 700, and yeah, since then he figured it out. And I've, I mean, I, I'm not, I can't go back and, and through the mental Rolodex and figure out which veteran player surprised me the most, but this is up there. I mean, this is... This is Randy Wynn in, in uh, 2005, I think. This is up there with some of the greatest veteran surprises that I've, I've ever watched because he just keeps raking. 
yeah, I think you could probably put Brendan Crawford's 2021 season up mm. there. I mean, I voted I voted him NL MVP, and I do really honestly in my heart believe it was not a homer vote. I no. think he was the most valuable player in the National League in 2021 as a 30, what would he have been, 33, 34-year-old? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I, that one sticks out to me. I mean, you can look at Buster's comeback that year, too. I mean, uh, he's a guy who's won comeback player of the year twice. And, uh, um, you know, Brandon Belt obviously has had some, some Laker surges. So... You know, it, it does happen, and I think that that was a big part of this um, coaching staff's sort of mantra when they took over in 2020 was, hey, development can happen for you too, Evan Longoria, and it can happen for you too, Brandon Crawford. It doesn't have to just be the guys who, you know, are, are shuttling between AAA and the major leagues or the guys that are trying to get to the big leagues. It it can happen uh, for, for veteran players as well. And, you know, they've, they've coaxed a lot of performance out, out of people, but... Uh, but right now they're they're not getting a lot of uh, production from the veteran players. They they're gonna need some production right away from Mikey Stremski. Tough thing to ask him to do to step right in and and produce right away. But wow, Jock Peterson is just not having a good second half. Mm. Uh, JD Davis is really striking out a ton and, and and taking some some swings where he just really looks like he's mystified. Um, you know, it's it's too bad because. Even though Wade's cooled off, he's still, you know, even at his worst, he's still got a 340 on base percentage in his in his bad spells. So he's getting on base. Uh, Tyro Estrada's making things happen in the number two spot. That, that's kind of what he's there to do. And then Wilmer's been Wilmer, but they just have not sustained rallies. And maybe the best sign to come out of that series against Texas was Michael Conforto hitting homers hmm. uh, on back-to-back days when he hadn't hit one in a month. So, you know, if they can get him going, I think that's going to be uh, – that, that, that's going to really help, uh, but I think they're going to need even more than that. Yeah, especially when you see Conforto uh, going opposite field. That's when you feel like, aha, there, there's something clicking there. Uh, before I, I move on to my next point, you mentioned the comeback player of the year, and I know I've said this before, uh, but every chance I get, I will mention this, that in 2011, Ryan Vogelsong did not win comeback player of the year award. Lance Berkman won it instead. And I feel like the comeback player of the year should be named the Ryan Vogelsong uh, Memorial Award presented by <laughs> Ryan Vogelsong in honor of Ryan Vogelsong's 2011 season. That should be the full name of the award. And I'm just super bitter that he didn't win it that year. Um, that has nothing to do with the point I'm about to make, but uh, uh, your thoughts. Well, um, I'm, you're not going to die on that hill because I will defend you with my sword and shield <laughs> on that hill. I, I, I'm total and complete agreement. Stupid award. Anyways, uh, I think, okay, so Mike Yastrzemski's coming back. You have Marco Luciano out for an indeterminate amount of time. What do the Giants have in terms of offensive cavalry coming? Is it just Yastrzemski? Uh, Is there anything they can do? Is it just hoping that J.D. Davis figures it out, that Michael Conforto has already figured it out? They don't really have a lot of cards to play. Am I missing something there? Uh, well, there's also Mitch Hanniger, and he is uh, really ramping up his baseball activities. I think it's it's looking uh, you know more and more likely that he's going to be back toward the end of the month or when rosters expand in September. I just don't know how much you can anticipate him to be you know blowing a bugle on his way back in the lineup when mm. you know he's missed a ton of time and he needed a lot of time before he started showing any signs of, of getting in a rhythm to being a, a productive player. And, and now he's going to have to do that all over again. So maybe he catches lightning in a bottle. Um, he does have a track record of success. He can hit home runs. But I just don't know if he's if he's someone that you plug in, like you plug in like Jose Altuve, who's been out for two months, or sort of a name brand player that you know 
you know, they're going to be themselves when they get back in the lineup and probably not miss too much of a beat. Yeah, there's no easy solutions here. There is one uh, player I think they still can promote, one card they can play, but that's on the pitching side with Kyle Harrison, and he's mm -hmm. coming off a really good outing. I think that if Logan Webb had gotten knocked out early and they had to use one of their bulk guys on Sunday, I would have expected Kyle Harrison to be called up and pitch in the Rays series. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, he obviously is coming off a good start where he... Um, you know, threw more strikes, uh, was in the zone. That's exactly what they want to see. They don't need to stretch him out to five, six innings because they're probably not going to ask him to do that. So, um, but I'm going to be interested to see if, if if Kyle Harrison is an option. And 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 who knows, maybe, you know, Tyler Fitzgerald is an option at some point too. I mean, he's uh, been, uh, you know, hitting well in the minors, uh, even though he does strike out a little bit. And you've got Wade Meckler. I mean, do they want to find out what they have here and, and, and put him in there? He's not a guy who's going to, you know, you know, park one every day, but he's he's hit everywhere he's gone. I think at some point you might want to look and see what you have. Uh, but, you know, uh, then you then that person has taken up a 40-man roster spot uh, when you might want to protect somebody else who you would otherwise maybe lose in the Rule 5 draft. So though all those things are considerations as well. Um, I think it's up to the guys that they have. I think it's up to the, the, the personnel uh, in that clubhouse right now to find a way to start, uh, you know, keeping the line moving, as Bruce Bochy used to say, and, and score more runs. I uh, hadn't been checking the minor league game logs over the weekend. And so you mentioned Wade Meckner. I was like, oh, how did he do this weekend? He's hitting 400 in Sacramento. God, oh, this guy's ridiculous. Yeah. He is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, he's, uh, and he's a ginger. And his first name is Wade. He has a fantastic mustache. Does he eat chicken before every game? Ooh, I how many do beers? not know. How many beers on the cross-country uh, flight? Oh, I do not know. I do not know. Um, do you remember Wade Boggs had a like a, a girlfriend or something, and she got like arrested for shoplifting? Margo um, Adams. Margo Adams, right. So, funny story. My brother, the one who lives in Sacramento, he um, was working at that Nordstrom uh, when uh, – uh, when when Margo Adams got busted for uh, trying to shoplift like a mink coat or something like that. Um, so oh yeah, that, that's his claim to fame. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I think it's amazing that I can remember every punchline to every Bloom County strip from the 80s. I can remember Margo Adams' name, but like I can't remember what the Giants did three days ago. I just, it, I need to reorient my brain somehow. There needs to be some sort of, like, like big tech needs to figure this out for me. Quick, quick, where are your car keys? Where are they? Uh, damn it, Andy. What are you, what are your what are your children's names? I was uh, Piper and Maggie. 
Oh, oh, right. the actual human children. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. so we've reached that part of the season where people are in my Twitter mentions and underneath my articles, they're commenting, and it's my least favorite part of any uh, giant season where they're not hitting. Fire Justin Veely. Fire the hitting coach. Fire Pedro Guerrero. Let's see some heads roll. I just don't think that's what's going on here. I think the Giants have done very well to cobble together a winning team with this roster that's uh, sums greater than the holder parts and all that nonsense. Uh, but I just, I, I've never felt comfortable saying, yep, the hitting coach, that's the problem. Where do you stand on hitting coaches being responsible for everything bad that's happening with a struggling offense? Oh, I think that they're often sometimes there are legitimately issues, uh, you know, with with a coach uh, that, you know, maybe players are tuning them out or, um, you know, like I remember when Carney Lansford was the hitting coach for one year, he just kept going on and on about how unfair the ballpark was. And they and they told him, Carney, <laughs> cut it out. That doesn't help. It doesn't help just to flail your arms every time Aaron Rowan hits one to the to the warning track. And, and uh, you know, it was to the point where they had to make a change. And um you know, uh, and I, Carney knows a lot about hitting. So, you know, clearly there was just, it just didn't work. Uh, but for the most part, I think when a team, you know, uh, fires a, a hitting coach or pitching coach, I mean, there, there is a lot of scapegoating that goes on and, and you don't know really how much of a difference a new coach can make. You know, I, I, I end up talking to coaches a lot because I'm generally, I'm closer to eight in age to them now than I am the players. Um, <laughs> although most of the Giants coaches are way younger than me as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I try to remind myself though, even though coaches are, are accessible and they, um, are relatable and can be very, very helpful. Um, I, I, I try to remember right about the players first. It's the players are the ones on the field who are either, getting it done or not getting it done. You know, they're the ones who got here because of their talent and their hard work. And the coaches obviously are very, very important. But um, I try to remind myself, don't write so much about the coaches, write more about the players. Mm, that, that's a very good philosophy. I just, as someone who is not in the room when Justin Veely is talking to J.D. Davis, uh, I just, I think it's such a knee-jerk reaction. It's one of my pet peeves about uh, baseball fans and covering baseball is that it's it's so easy to just be like, yeah, here's the problem. Uh, I, what's what's he supposed to do when J.D. Davis just isn't making good contact? When I mean, you saw the at-bat that Jock Peterson had before Patrick uh, Bailey's home run where uh, Will Smith threw him four sliders, three of which weren't close to the strike zone, and he was able to make a little contact for a foul ball on one of them, but he, he was helpless. What are you going to do in that situation? You can't tell Jock Peterson from, you know, hey, have you tried hitting the ball? I mean, that's not going to work. So I, I just I hate the knee jerk reaction. I just wanted to, to put that out there. Yeah. And obviously that that's Jock left on left. And that's not a matchup sure. the Giants really ever, ever want. Um, I mean, he really has has not hit left handed pitching at all, nor has he gotten the opportunity to. So um, but, you know, they'd use their whole bench by that point. It's, it's uh, the 10th inning. And we know they deploy their bench early to get matchups and. And that way they're guaranteed to get those matchups and not have people unused on their bench. I think that they, they, they're fine with that philosophy. They've, they've done it pretty consistently and they just ran out of players. And, you know, yeah, that, that so that, that specific at bat, I mean, is one that, that obviously they're going to try to control for by just not, not having it. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at a lot of the swing decisions though, and the chase rate and, and, and yeah, you even look back at what, uh, what Bailey said. And I, I led my story with it because I thought it was interesting. You know, if Will Smith had thrown him two breaking balls that were in the zone, game over. You know, <laughs> he's he's looking for that spin out of the hand, and he's he's thinking to himself, 
I do not hit breaking pitches right-handed. I just haven't. And, you know, this guy's got a slider that people are hitting, you know, 090 on this season. And if he throws two sliders in the zone, and he only throws it in the zone 41% of the time, and I know this because I've done all my homework, I've, I've looked at the scouting reports, you know, I know this going in, I have a plan with my with my plate appearance. If it's in zone, well, then tip your cap, you know. Um, now, you might say, well, you, you know, with the... With the you know the tying run on base and 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 two outs in the ninth. You you got to protect a little bit and 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 who knows if if Bailey would have done that. Uh, but the way he was talking about it was I was sitting fastball and that's what I reduced that plate appearance down to and and it resulted in a home run. And so that's I think a concrete example of someone who was well coached, well prepared, had a plan and executed their plan. And sometimes it's not going to work and. Uh, um, you know, sometimes you get pitched tough, but that to me shows, you know, if, if a rookie can have a plate appearance like that with the game on the line, then I think this team is pretty well coached. And, um, I, I think that's kind of evidence of that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. And you, <laughs> you knew he was sitting fastball because, uh, it, that pitch was, uh, like four inches off on the inside part of the plate. You can't just be like against Will Smith. Oh, maybe a slider's coming. Maybe a fastball is coming and, and hit that pitch. He had to be sit, sitting dead red. And yeah, I can't imagine why he wouldn't throw sliders in that situation. I mean, I know what you're saying uh, about the tying run being on on base, but boy, he was looking fastball and he got it. And as uh, Kruko likes to say, he he dug it out and he absolutely dug it out. That was just a, a tremendous at bat. And I, I can't believe that he's he's still a rookie. Yeah, right. I mean, it's uh, the preparation is is really cool, and, and and it gave me a little vehicle because I talked to Buster Posey last week. Uh, to get a Bruce Bochy memory or two from him. And while I had him on the line, um, I asked him about Bailey. And uh, I thought, well, I'll just tuck this in my back pocket next time I write about Bailey. And um, and lo and behold, I found myself writing about Patrick Bailey. So um, <laughs> so I just stuck those Posey quotes in there. And um, along with the the happy news that, that he and his family are moving back to the Bay Area, they've, they realized that they were when they were in Georgia for this past year, that home really was, uh, you know, where their kids were born and they, they become accustomed to feeling like the Bay area was their home. So they're moving back. So we may see Buster, uh, around, around the ballpark a little bit more. That's a, that's a nice thought. That is. And I don't know why that makes me so happy. It's like, it's like it validates my decision to live in the Bay area or something like it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just so neat. It's like, yeah, come on back, Buster. The weather's great out here. It's a, it's a good time out. Um, so yeah, that is super neat in, I imagine that it's got to be tough for Patrick Bailey, at least a little bit, uh, to be somewhat in the shadow of Buster Posey. But I don't think he cares about that. I think maybe we care about that. And we're seeing parallels and we're seeing uh, a rookie take charge. And boy, that brings back a memory. You know, a first round catcher coming in and immediately making an impact. But I just I just think he only knows how to play uh, the Patrick Bailey way, and that is uh, tremendous defensively. And we're talking about Wilmer Flores. Well, Patrick Bailey is hitting, uh, I think he's got a 900 OPS in August. He's uh, hitting the ball really well. He has seven walks to seven strikeouts in the month of August, which, I mean, for the first months he was he was on the roster, he was completely lopsided, uh, almost in a Casey Schmidt way when it came to the strikeout-to-walk ratio. So he seems like he's figured something out, and if they can weaponize him and get him to be a plus-plus offensive catcher, I mean, he, we're talking one of the most valuable players in the game. That's, you know, a little pie in the sky right now, but he's sure showing off what he can do in August. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. I think the Giants need to. They need more uh, success stories like this. I mean, this is, you know, year five of the Farhan Zaidi era, and you know, I we hear from both sides. We hear from the Fire Farhan crowd, and we hear from, um, you know, the Farhan acolytes, and and you know, as as it is with most things, I think the truth can be found somewhere in the middle, and I think it is a valid criticism that that they are still playing um, the game on the margins and, and, and looking for all of the platoon advantages. You don't want to do that. You don't want to have two starters and a whole bunch of openers. You want to have, you know, five Logan Webbs and, 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 you know, a Mookie Betts and a Freddie Freeman and go down the line and turn the lineup over. And, and, um, and then you, you sort of play the matchup game around the periphery of your roster. Um, it's not, you don't build the whole roster out of that. And so, you know, yeah, I think it is a, sort of a, um, maybe not the greatest vote of confidence that the Giants are still almost entirely building the the, the airplane out of uh, you know the black box, so to speak, and, and trying to um, you know margin get every marginal advantage pretty much everywhere up and down the roster. But you know they they need to have more success stories like Patrick Bailey and and um, you know you really couldn't point to any of them before this year. So at least you can point to one now and. Um, the hope is, uh, and the belief among a lot of people in the front office is that this is this is the start, and uh, it certainly is a good start. Uh, I'm going to read uh, before we go uh, a couple of my ten bold predictions for the 2023 San Francisco Giants seasons. Uh, San Francisco Giants season. Uh, there is one where I, I predicted that Tyro Estrada's defensive stats will be fine across the board. Um, yeah, yeah, he's actually doing really well when it comes to outs above average. Uh, I had the Diamondbacks are going to drive everyone else uh, in the NL West bananas, and yeah, for a few months, I'll, I'll take credit for that. Uh, and then I had as my last one, I said one of the Giants' previous first-round picks will get you excited again, whether it's Elliot Ramos, Joey Bart, Hunter Bishop, Patrick Bailey, or Will Bednar. So I don't want to toot my own horn, but I have a podcast, so I'm just going to say toot, toot, <laughs> fruit, <laughs> right. Just don't look at what I predicted for Alex Wood. I, I thought he would be a little. No, <laughs> I, I was going to say I have a feeling you may be cherry picking just a little <laughs> bit here, um, and you also gave yourself a lot of lotto scratchers by mentioning all the first round picks as opposed to p- uh, picking one. Although I, w- I will say, and we should probably give Elliot Ramos uh, a few flowers here um, for smoking a couple of uh, uh, balls really, really hard, including uh, his first major league home run and. You know, uh, they that was that was one where you you heard it, you 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 heard the sound it made in the ballpark, and it was it was pretty special. And uh, boy, if they could get uh, um, get him to start establishing himself and get some confidence, uh, and 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 becoming someone who could supply some steady power, you know, we we didn't mention him earlier when we were talking about you know some of their um, potential offensive catalysts, but. Hey, he's one of them. You can't forget about him. And, and you know that when he impacts the baseball, it's still pretty special. And he's still really young. So good for him for sticking with it and for uh, for having a great moment uh, with, with his first homer. And, and I'm sure that uh, um, he's planning on hitting many more. Yeah. No, I, I think it would be ludicrous for anyone out there, even with as lopsided as Casey Schmidt's strikeout to walk ratio is, uh, it would be ludicrous for anyone to think, oh, Casey Schmidt, he's never going to be a productive major league player, right? I think that's just, it's too early to tell. 
uh, Ramos is younger than Casey Schmidt, and it feels like people have just, okay, this guy again, yeah. Well, he's hitting the snot out of the ball, and I, I feel like he is a wild card for this wild card chase because, uh, yeah, if he can sting the ball with uh, and do damage on these pitches, like his his physical tools should allow him to, he might be the cavalry. So that's a good point. Yeah, and uh, and we'll see what they do against uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, who have absolutely nothing going on right now. The, nothing the going a boring on. Team. Just a nothing, boring nothing team. Nothing to see here. Not in the news cycle one bit. All right, this has been... Not at all. (laughs) This has been episode number 241 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We will be back next week. Thanks for listening. We will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.